It's good to be here tonight. It's uh, good to be able to speak. You know, um, a couple weeks ago, um, in my morning devotions, there was uh, I was reading through Acts, and something that just jumped out at me. And I thought, wow, this is really good. So I wrote a few things down, and, and I prayed about it. The next day, I was drawn back to it. And I wrote a few more things down, and, and, uh, and then I put it away. And then last week, pastor asked me if I would speak this week, and I said, oh yeah, I know just what I want to speak on. So tonight, I want to take a look at uh, at the early church in action. The early church in action. And I want to take a look at how and why it grew. But before, before we look into that, let me give you a little bit of background how the church was born, how it came about. The church was born in power on the day of Pentecost. One moment, there wasn't any church. The next moment, there was. You know, and the day of Pentecost was a Jewish holiday. And that Jewish holiday, there was people packed in Jerusalem, you know, from different, because, because of persecution, the, Jews were, the Jewish people were scattered all over the place. But they came together that day and, and to celebrate that holiday. And during that day, the apostles were up in the upper room, they call it, and the Holy Spirit came upon them and filled them to overflowing. And they began to speak in a different language. We call it tongues. But it was a different language that they never spoke before. And they spilled out into the, into the community. And they were speaking. And these people that were there said, hey, listen, I hear, I hear them speaking in my language. I hear them speaking here. What are they saying? What's going on? What is happening? And they said, wow, well, maybe they're drunk. And somebody said, no, they're not drunk. Well, we know that they're not learning men. How did they do this? And it says here that Peter stood up and addressed the crowd. And, you know, and pastor's been teaching on Peter. Peter is one of my favorites in the Bible. You know, uh, Peter was never afraid to give his point of view. Even if he wasn't asked, he gave his point of view. It, but it says Peter stood up and he said, Men of Israel, listen to me. Jesus, the man sent from God for you, the man that you help put to death by nailing him to the cross, God has raised him from the dead, and he is alive. And we've seen him. Just not the few of us, but a lot of people have seen him. He's alive and well. And God has made him, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, he wanted to get that cross, whom you crucified, he has made them both Lord and Christ. And the people that were listening, were cut to the heart. They said, oh my goodness, what did we do? What did we do? And they asked Peter, well, what should we do now? What should we do? And I want to read from Acts, the second chapter, verse 38. And Peter replied to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that's promised to you. And down in verse 40, it says, And many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their church that day. One moment, Nine o'clock in the morning, there was no church. By evening, there was 3,000 people. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word.
We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that you have given us, Lord, as a guideline for us, as something that we can look to and read and understand. So, Lord, today, as we take a look at this church in action and how it grew and why it grew, we ask, Lord, that you would use it, that you would bless it to our understanding. We ask it in your name. Amen. Well, I want us to take a look at Acts 2, starting with verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And that word that caught me three weeks ago was the word devoted. Was a word devoted. They devoted themselves. You know, and I thought about that, and I wrote down, even in my notes that day, I wrote down, what does devoted mean? What does devoted look like? Well, I decided to look it up in the dictionary, dictionary, and it says, devoted means loyal. It means very loving. You know, and then I put my own in there. Devote your, when you devote yourself, you are giving yourself totally to something. When you devote yourself to something, you're giving yourself totally to that. In other words, it consumes, it consumes you. You want to do the best you can. You know, I was thinking when I was thinking something about devoted, I was thinking marriage. You know, when we get married, we devote ourselves to our wives. We devote ourselves to our partner. When Norma and I came back to the Lord 50 years ago, this just this past couple weeks, 50 years ago, first of all, we devoted ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember telling the Lord, and so did Norma, and we didn't know this at the time. Both of us said, Lord, no matter what happens, we're devoted to you. We're going all the way with you. And as we devoted ourselves to Jesus, as we devoted ourselves to the teaching and, as what, and what the Word had to say, we devoted ourselves also to our marriage and to making it work. And 50 years later, it's still working. So devoting, devotion is something, people, that takes work. If you're going to be devoted to something, don't think, well, it's just going to happen because it doesn't happen that way. Devotion to anything takes work. When I was in high school and when I played sports, I, was dev I wasn't that good of a ball player. I was devoted to making it. I was devoted to making my team better. It took work. It took extra work, especially in football and basketball. Baseball came a little bit more natural. But in football and basketball, it took work. Why? Because I wanted to be part of the team. I wanted to make our team better. Not because I wanted to look good, but I wanted our team to be better. So devotion is like that. I want to make my marriage the best that it can make. And it won't be unless I'm devoted. I want to be the best Christian I can be. And it's not going to be that way unless I'm devoted to the teaching of the Word. So let's take a look at the things they were devoted to. Let's take a look. Devotion, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the Word of God. I got a feeling they hung on every word that the apostles were teaching. And what was the apostles teaching? They were teaching some stuff in the Old Testament. They didn't have the New yet, at least not much of it. But they had Jesus as an example. They had the teaching that Jesus taught them. You know, and I wouldn't be surprised the, the, the disciples or the apostles, as, as they were teaching it, they thought, wow, 
I didn't think I'd ever be able to use that, what he told me there. But he, they were teaching them what Jesus had taught them. They were teaching the lessons that Jesus were taught them. They were using illustrations that Jesus gave them. They were teaching them the word. And you know, isn't that the way it is today? Isn't that the way it is today? You know, um, when pastor teaches or preaches on Sunday morning, you know, what's he do? He uses the word of God. He preaches the word of God. He gives us the message that God has given him for us. Isn't that amazing? God has given him that message, not because they want to make him look good. No, it's for us. And that's what the apostles were doing here. They were giving them the teaching to help them grow. You know, and it's our responsibility as, as believers in Christ to take that teaching, to take those illustrations and put them to use. It's good to listen to it. It's good to smile and understand, but it's also our responsibility to take it and put it to use. You know, I worked at Chrysler for 36 years, and we built engines. And my part of the engine was the crankshafts and the cams. That's what I had. That's what I made. And I had a lot of men working for me. And when they came in, we showed them how to run their machines. We gave them illustrations of what they were supposed to do. And they, their job was to take that what we taught them, to take that what we illustrated to them, and make that part. Now, you know, if they didn't take that, the engine wouldn't run. You know, it's hard to run an, an engine without a camshaft or a crankshaft. And even if they just were a little bit lazy and didn't do it quite right, that engine wouldn't last long. And, you know, that's the way it is with the Word of God. We need to take it and use it. Use it to make our life run right. If you just want to go and just live a normal whatever comes, comes, then take that. But take what is being taught to you. Take what is being said to you. Take the Word and put it into action. And we take it and we put it into action. We see growth. We see growth. Another thing here, still in the same verse, the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To fellowship and breaking of bread. You can't have fellowship without breaking of bread. You know, and I know some of this breaking of bread might, was probably communion, and they took communion a lot more than we did. And, but part, I think communion was part of their, was part of their dinner. You know, they, uh, they use it a lot. But fellowship, fellowship is very important is very important. They were devoted. That's what it says. They were devoted to fellowship. The apostles were teaching them to, to, to fellowship with one another. 1 John 1.7 says, if we are really living and walking in the Lord, that means fellowshipping in the Lord, then we can have true fellowship with one another. In other words, if we're fellowshipping with God, then we can fellowship with others. And that's what fellowship is all about. The apostles were teaching them and showing them to have fellowship. You know, I've made a lot of phone calls these last eight, nine weeks. I'm making probably about 35, 40 phone calls a week. And almost every phone call, you know what they tell me they miss? They miss the fellowship. They miss being with one another. They miss the smiles, the hugs, just seeing a smiling face. 
And you know, that's so important. That fellowship is so important. That is why small groups are so important, especially in times like this. I am so proud of my small groups, of our small groups. I call them mine because I'm over them. But I am so proud of them. You know, they're making phone calls. They're, they're using Facebook. They're using Zoom. I never even heard of Zoom before this hit, you know. But they're using Zoom. Let me give you an example. Last week, last Sunday night, we had Zoom on our, on our small group, okay? And we have our small group. We still have some down in Florida that aren't home yet. But we were there, and for about the first 15, 20 minutes, we were just fellowshipping. It was so good seeing each other's face. It was so good laughing. We asked how their families were doing. We heard how everybody's family was doing. That's fellowship. That's communication with one another. We fellowshiped in the Word. We fellowshiped in prayer. We fellowshiped, you know, just laughing and being with one another. And that's, that's what the apostles were teaching here. You have to be with one another. If you want to grow, be with one another. Because why? Because we need one another. That's why. We need one another. So they were using that in their everyday life. And then the next one here, it says, and they were devoted to prayer. Oh my goodness, devoted to prayer. 1 Peter 3, 12 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteousness, are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. You know what that means? God is watching and God is listening. God is watching you and God is listening. He's listening to our prayers. He's watching to see, do you really mean what you're praying? Are you taking time? You know, I don't know about you. But I have a lot more time right now for prayer. I have a lot more time right now to get into word, the word. I have a lot more time right now to call people. You know, I, I call, we, we laugh. You know, I hear things that probably I shouldn't. But we laugh and we pray together. And it, it's, it's good. But prayer is important. Prayer is important. You know, meeting together. I love it. Saturday night prayer. I love Saturday night prayer. You know, when we can meet together. You know, and we've done this for a long while. There's something about praying with one another. I don't care if it's Saturday night prayer. I don't care if it's in your small group. I don't care if it's mom and dad and kids praying together. There's something about praying together. When Norma and I were building our marriage and starting back up, the evangelists told us, this is what they told us that night. They said, we want you to go home. And we want you to pray for one another out loud so they can hear you. And we did that. And sometimes it was hard. But you know what? I wasn't praying to her. I was praying to God. She could listen. And we learned to pray for one another. We learned to love one another in prayer. I loved listening to I still love listening to Norma in prayer. I love it. She, she can pray so deep and so she just gets so much out of it. I just sit there sometimes, open my eyes and say, wow, wow. Okay, that is what prayer is about. You know, when we pray, God hears and God answers. I'll tell you, I've seen some miracles these last few weeks that without prayer, it wouldn't have happened. We rejoice in the answers to prayer. So prayer is very important. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Verse 43 says, And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders were happening. Why were they filled? Because of the prayer. It says they were filled with awe. 
They were filled with, oh my goodness, look what's happening. And many wonders happened. You know, I just talked about miracles. Many wonders the apostles were doing. Why? Because they were praying for one another. They were praying for each other. And you know, I'm sure in that many people, there was many, many needs. In that many people, there was a lot of sickness. And they seen miracle after miracle after miracle because they were praying. Prayer is important. You know, when, when we open back up, when we open back up, and we were talking about this today at staff, when we open back up, I can't wait for Saturday night prayer to open up. Make sure you put that on your calendar, Saturday night at 6 o'clock. And before we open prayer, we still have it on Saturday night at Pastor and Becky's house. Okay? And I'll tell you what, it's great. It's great. Becky's playing, we're praying. I mean, we're pl- Becky's playing, and we're praying, and Pastor's praying, and he leads us in different things to pray for. And you know, as a family, we're still praying together. Oh, my goodness. I could go on and on about that, but i got to go to the next one. Okay? In verse 44, it says, And all the believers were together and had everything in common. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They were devoted to each other. They were devoted to each other. Everything in common. We say, wow, how did that many people have that much in common? Well, let's look what they had in common. First of all, they were sinners saved by grace. They were sinners saved by grace. They were rejoicing in that. They had fellowship. They had prayer. They seen prayers answered. They, were, they, they got to talk to people and communicate. They were on the same page. They were team players. They were team players. It wasn't, what can I get out of this? It was, what can I give to this? Let me say that again. It wasn't, what can I get out of this? It was, what can I give to this? You know, here at church, uh, you know, we, we have, we've emptied, our, we, we've emptied our, uh, our food pantry. We have emptied it. We've been giving and giving. It says here that they had everything in common, and they sold their property and their possessions, and they gave to anyone, not to anyone who had need. I'll tell you, you heard Pastor earlier talking about get, we give it away. You know, if there's a need, we give it. We've been, we've been giving and giving and giving. Anybody wants it, they need it, we give it to them. You know, and it's been great. It's been great. And, you know, it says here that they sold their possessions and they put it together. They brought it to the storehouse. Now, I don't know. They didn't have a church back those days. So I got a feeling they probably had somebody's big barn or they used a house and they brought all the stuff and they put it together. And everyone, it doesn't say just the believers. It says everyone who needed it got it. And they didn't have to prove anything. Isn't that amazing? They brought it together. And, you know, I'm so excited about tomorrow. I am. You know, bags by the bumper. What a catchy phrase, but I'm telling you, you bag it and you bring it and we'll give it away. I promise you. And if you can't bag it, you don't want to go out and buy it, you know, if you want to drop a few dollars off for us, we can use that too because we'll take that and we'll buy what we need. It's, 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 it's everything together. And that's what they had. They, everybody doing their part together. Just not one or two of them. Just not three or four of the people were selling. Just not four, three or four of the people were bringing what they had. And it doesn't say they brought their leftovers 
They brought what they had and gave it. And they gave it to the storehouse. They get, and our storehouse is the church. Our storehouse is a church. And you know, we do that. And we're good at that. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. We're good at giving. You know, our tithes and our offerings that you give here. Do you have any, any idea how many people are reached because of your giving? We won't know until we get to heaven probably. But there are thousands and maybe even millions. I don't know, Pastor. But there's a lot of people that are reached because you are faithful in giving. And that's what's happening here. People were being reached because they were faithful in giving. I wonder, I wonder how many of those people that came through and got something from them came back later and said, I don't know what you got, but I want it. Because they seen something and those people that they never seen before. They seen something in those people they never seen before. Oh, man, isn't that good? Let's go on. Verse 46 and 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the court temple, breaking bread, there they are again, in their homes and eating together with glad and sincere hearts. They continued to meet every day now, they, had a, they couldn't meet, in, they met in the temple courts. They couldn't meet in the temple. They were allowed in there. But they met in the courts. And when they had that many, I wouldn't be surprised they couldn't all get in the court. So what they do, they went to everybody's house. They just didn't go to the court, but they went to each and other's house, and they met there. And it said they met there with what? They ate together. They, they were happy. You know, Back, and I said this already before, but back when Norm and I came to, back to the Lord 50 years ago, we had, there was a great revival. And it was young couples that were either coming back to the Lord or getting saved. And there were so many of them. After, we only had a week revival that there were so many. We were so excited. We said, hey, we can't stop this. We got to continue meeting. So for the next 30 days, we met at the church at 6 o'clock. And, and, and we would meet there, and our rule was, you can't say what happened yesterday, it was what happened today. What did God do in your life today? And we had people saying, hey, you wouldn't be surprised. My next door neighbor, I had coffee with her, and what she had to say, and I prayed with her. A guy at work asked me why I'm so happy, and I got to share. We had people bringing people that they led to the Lord. I led my first person to the Lord that week. It was a guy that called our church, called the pastor, and said, hey, I've been reading this book. I need to get saved. What do I do? And he said, they're down at the church right now. Go see Rick. And I led that guy. He was a guard at Ford Motor Company. And I'm a Chrysler man. <laughs> but he was a guard at Ford Motor Company, and I led him to the Lord. And, man, he, he joined us for a while, and later he went on to another church. But isn't that good? That's what was going on here. They ate together. They had good food. They shared. They were glad with sincere hearts. You know what that means? To me, that means generous hearts. They were generous with each other, praising God. But why? Because something new was happening every day. What did God do today? And they would come in, and they would share. They were probably sharing, hey, you know, my next door neighbor said this, and I said, hey, how would you, how would you like to get saved? They were, they, were sa they were leading people to the Lord, but they just weren't leading them to the Lord. They were bringing them to the meeting. That's how they grew. 
They were bring. they'd say, hey, you're excited? Come on, I want you to meet some other people. And they were bringing them. And it said, and people were getting saved every day. They were getting, how do I know that? Because listen, it said they were praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. The people wanted to know what was going on. They wanted to know what was going on. What has changed in your life? If you're excited about God, people are going to want to know what's going on. What's going on? And the Lord added to their number daily. Daily. I, I get excited and I start shouting sometimes. But they added to the Lord daily. And when they were added to the group daily, that means they were witnessing daily. Daily. They were excited about what God was doing. What a pattern the church has set, the early church has set for us today. Sure, it's a different time. Sure, things are different. But you know, they didn't have a church to go to right then either. You know, we have a church building. It's a building. It's not the church. The people are the church. You're the church. You're the church. And God is doing things in your life that when we get back together, you're going to be able to share and say, this is what God has done. So tonight as I close, let me take a look again and see what this group of believers did. First of all, they were saved by faith. They were saved in Jesus. They had sound doctrine. They had the teaching of the apostles. They had the word. They were steadfast in prayer. They prayed together, and they seen miracles. They were strong in fellowship, meeting together, and not giving up on it. They were strong in worship, praising God. Praising God for what? Praising God for what he was doing daily in their lives. And they were successful. They were successful in witnessing. They were seeing people saved. And it is said that in less than 30 years, the church spread itself all over the civilized world. In less than 30 years, it spread itself all over the civilized world. The early church gave us a pattern for us to use today. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that it never grows old. It's the same yesterday and today. And so, Lord, so are you. You haven't changed. The same God that was leading the early church is the same one we have today. And, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, God, for your word that we can use an example of how to live for you. We ask it in your name. Amen.